Good morning, Bayside Frankston. It's wonderful to be here uh, and uh, to share with you uh, something of God's love for the unlovely. Uh, And it is my hope that uh, coming out of uh, this weekend, um, as I've had conversation with with pastoral staff at this church, that uh, there might be a new partnership that is formed between Bayside and Prison Fellowship, uh, looking to see uh, where uh, there might be people uh, within your congregations that are keen to minister God's love uh, into some pretty dark places. Let me start with this. From Matthew 25, we read, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, He will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I have an amazing wife. Uh, We've been married for 17 years. Um, Unfortunately, she had to go and collect kids this morning, so wasn't able to uh, come down to Frankston with me, but... Um, 17 years ago as a young man I figured out very quickly that I had a lot to learn, Um, especially when it came to laundry. Um, Probably too spoilt by my mum and um, then being a young married man, realising that um, there are lots of those lessons that husbands need to learn about the laundry um, early in their marriage. Um, Certainly how to hang the clothes, that's very important, where the pegs need to go. Um, I'm seeing some nodding heads. I, I think this might strike a chord with some people. Um, ensuring, apparently, ensuring the socks stay together through the whole process is a really important thing. Um, news to me, but um, but uh, there it is. And uh, what can go in the dryer must not go in the dryer. That's that's a key lesson uh, that you learn. Um, and then there was the big one: the separating of the clothes. Whites, colours, lights, darks, all in their little baskets, making sure that they all went in the right uh, place. It's a mistake you only make once. (laughs) Once you're wearing a pink shirt that used to be white, um, you usually have learnt that lesson. In the passage I just read out, um, we learn of Jesus' return. It's an amazing day. God has gathered all those together. All the nations will be gathered before him, it says. Jesus is returning, and on that day, there will be ultimate justice. It's a judgment day. And on that day, just like the washing, there will be a separation that happens. And that separation will be perfect 
and it will be final. There's not going to be any pink shirts. There's not going to be any darks that slip through into the white pile on that day. Our God is loving. He's a compassionate God. He's a merciful God. He has an all-powerful love. But He loves us so much that He cannot allow the mere presence of any part of sin uh, to be there in heaven. God will, re- uh, will separate the righteous from the unrighteous. And those who are righteous will be saved not only from the consequences of sin, as we are, but also on that day we'll be saved from the mere presence of sin. Heaven will be absolute perfection and we should look forward to that day where there is no more sin, there is no more crying, there is no more weeping. So as then as we read that passage from Matthew 25, as we look at the fact that there is going to be this judgment, there will be this sorting between the righteous and the unrighteous, the question is, what separates the sheep from the goats? How do I know if I'm on the left or the right? How do I know if I will be considered righteous or unrighteous? I think very simply, the answer is that sheep will act like sheep and goats will act like goats. In Matthew 7, we read, By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. So a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Sheep will act like sheep, and goats will act like goats. There will be evidence in your life of your love of Jesus, of being a sheep or a goat. How we treat each other is a direct representation of our faith, our faith in Jesus. We read again in that passage, what do sheep look like? Well, they feed the hungry. They give water to the thirsty. They invite the stranger in. I noticed Bayside's amazing effort at the sleep out for the G uh, a few weeks back, raising an amazing amount of money uh, for Melbourne's homeless. Sheep clothe those who are naked. They care for the sick. And right there in that list, amongst all those other things, they visit prisoners. Our attitudes and our behaviour show the fruit of our faith. This is not about earning our salvation. This is not about doing enough good things in order that we might uh, have God save us. Our salvation is secured only through Jesus on the cross. But having secured that faith, then our, uh, the outworking of that should be obvious in our life. We are called to love God and also to love our neighbour. And that means caring for those who are like you and who you like and who you're comfortable with and who are easy to love and those who are not like you or are harder to love. Jesus tells the story about the Good Samaritan. The Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. And yet Jesus shares that story as an illustration of loving those who are hard to love 
the Samaritan caring for the Jew who was left on the side of the road. How we treat each other is a direct representation of our relationship with Jesus. Prison Fellowship's mission is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with prisoners, with ex-prisoners and with their families. And as a ministry, we are often caring for people who are not like us. We are showing the compassionate and the merciful heart of God to those who are not necessarily easy to love at all, to those who have done some terrible things. I need to say that we're not an advocacy group that says, you know what, these people should not be in there. No justice system is perfect, but we are not a group that says, you know, the, the justice system in this state is, is not good and, and we um, seek to uh, reform it or say that the people who are in prison shouldn't be in there. I've met people in prison who I know that that's the best place for them. I know that they should be in there and I know it's the best thing for our community that they are in there. And yet, there is a God who loves them. And sometimes we have almost nothing in common. They've done terrible things and there's, there's nothing that we have in common with them. And yet God still loves them. One of our ministries is a sports ministry called SLAM. We take uh, volunteers into prison on a Saturday and they might play two or three or four or five games against different inmates each time. Our guys come out wrecked at the end of the day. They're playing against fresh legs each game and these guys are good because they've got a lot of time to practice. Um, and so they train and uh, we're often given a pretty competitive game when we go inside. After each game, one of our team will share a testimony, a story of hope, a story of God's love, uh, something that's happened in their life. And then there's an opportunity to share and to chat with these guys. Um, and they go and then the next group comes in and we play the game, share a testimony, have a chat. Um, they go, the next group comes in. Um, it's, a, it's a fantastic part of our ministry and, and I love being part of it. After playing basketball one day uh, in, a, uh, in a prison, I was talking with Ben, who was a bikey. Um, he belonged to one of the outlaw motorcycle gangs and... Um, I was kind of talking to him like this, um, looking up, um, and just got, just got chatting. There's something amazing about sport that just seems to open the doors. You play a game of sport against someone, and it seems to open the door. And so we were just chatting about his life and how he found himself to be where he was. And as I listened to his story, I thought, you know what? I've got nothing in common with you. I cannot, I'm looking for something to grab hold of, uh, some kind of identifying thing that we could have in common. There was nothing except for that game of basketball we just played. And because of that, we were able to have this amazing conversation. And I was able to share with him something of my life and something of uh, God's love in my life and to reveal a little bit of the gospel uh, to him in that conversation. Another one of our programs is called Change on the Inside. It's a very clever play on words. Um, we, we talk about positive character development. Uh, and we uh, have developed a course that uh, takes inmates through talking about um, common issues that they face and positive character, uh, positive character qualities they can develop in their lives. So we talk about choices and decisions and consequences and then the character quality of responsibility. Or we talk about anger management and the character quality of self-control. There was a guy, John, who was sitting in the back row 
They always seem to sit in the back row. And he uh, was in our course. And week after week, we'd be asking for examples and answers to questions. And, and he was just giving the most disgusting, vile answers he could to deliberately try and stir us as presenters in that course. And week after week, our team would uh, ignore, the, ignore the comments um, and just continue on delivering the course. And we come to a, a break time in the course and our volunteers would be the first ones to say, John, can we make you a coffee? John, you know, let's, let's have a chat. Um, and showing him the respect that he certainly wasn't showing us. And week after week, we were able just to chip away and just to share, and then the facilitator is able to share something of their lives and get across um, the fact that there is a God who still loves him, despite what he may have done. Prison Fellowship is a ministry that ministers to the unlovely. We minister to the broken, to the messed up, to the addicted, to the confused, to the lonely, to the hurting, the smelly, the angry. Another change on the inside course in another prison. We got to week four. Week four's topics are healthy relationships and the character quality of forgiveness. There's a young man in that course who's about 32 years old, again sitting at the back. I didn't know his name because for the first three weeks, he hadn't spoken and all the other inmates just called him the angry one. That was his name in the unit, the angry one. I actually had to go and check the, the records in the, in the office to find out what his actual real name was. We get to healthy relationships. We start to talk about forgiveness. He rocks back on his chair and for the first time in the course he speaks and he says, you don't know what you're talking about. He said, it's not that easy. And we're talking about forgiveness. I said, I'm not claiming in any sense uh, that this is easy. Um, but it is something that I think you know, each of us need in our lives. And then he started to open up. He said, I was raised by my grandparents. I didn't know who my parents were. He said, my grandfather used to beat me. I copped to hiding regularly. He said, I had an older sister who lived in Queensland but I had a rubbish upbringing. He said, at the age of 12, I was going through my grandparents' study and I looked in their filing cabinet and I found my birth certificate. He said, I discovered that my older sister in Queensland was actually my mum and my whole family had lied to me this whole time. He said, what made matters worse is that she came down from Queensland not long after and we had it out and I had this massive brawl with her and she denied it. She said, you're not mine, you're not mine, you're not mine. For two hours, he said, I lost it, I tore the house up. He said, after two hours, my mum turned around and said, okay, I admit it, you're yours, you're, you're mine. And I wish I'd never had you. And that angry 12-year-old kid was really still sitting in that room as a 32-year-old man. And I... Um, make sure in most cases that I never know what people have done and I certainly don't know what he did but I can guarantee you it had something to do uh, with that time in his life. We minister to those who are unlovely, who have often got huge issues in their lives. A ministry that says the world may hate you. They only have to pick up a Herald Sun to realise that. But there is a God who loves you still. 
Many times our volunteers are asked, well, how could God love me? Doesn't he know what I've done? And our response is, yeah, of course he knows what you've done. But you are his child and God loves his kids. As we've read, there's a judgment day coming when God's perfect justice will be meted out. It's part of his character. It's part of who God is. But equally, part of his character is to show that love and compassion and mercy. And God's desire is that all people would come to him. All people. Now, that's a really hard one for us to get our heads around, I think. Because I think we say... I can accept people here and I can accept people here and I can accept people here but once they've done that or once they're that kind of person or once they've done that to me or to my family then surely God can't redeem that but he can and he does. So God's desire is that all people would come to him and when they do like the prodigal son he'll wrap them in his arms and say welcome home I love you. One of the greatest experiences of my time with prison fellowship is standing in a maximum security prison unit, praying with a man who had come to the end of every other option that he had. He was standing there with a Bible in one hand and an Anglican prayer book in the other. And he said, I've been in and out of here eight times. And he said, every time I'm determined not to come back, And I resolve what I'm going to do and I get out and I try and I fail and I'm back in. And then I resolve again and I get out and I try and I fail and I come back in. And I resolve and I try and I fail and I get back in. It just keeps going. The re-offending rate in Victoria at the moment is about 40%. 40%, that's only within two years. Get out within two years back inside. you take that out to about 10 years then it's about 80 percent this guy had had nothing else to cling on to he'd been given a bible and he'd started to read it and he said i've got to give this jesus guy a go because i've tried everything else and nothing has worked And so in one of those circumstances where, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but everything else around you kind of goes blurry and doesn't, um, isn't at all in focus and what you're doing right in front of you is, is crystal clear. I had guys playing pool over there, I had other guys doing laundry over there, I had a guard station right in front of me and yet in the middle of that prison unit we were able to pray and he was able to submit his life to Jesus. An amazing privilege to lead him in that prayer where he found true freedom, even in a maximum security prison. Part of acting like a sheep, where there is real evidence of your faith, is being obedient to the shepherd's voice, to being tuned in to what the shepherd is saying. Last year, I had the privilege of going to Darwin. Prison Fellowship is an international ministry. Um, It's been around in Australia for many, many years. Um, We have over a 1,000 volunteers But up until last year, we didn't have a ministry in Darwin. And so, um, as a result of some of the Four Corners reporting around the Dondale Youth Detention stuff that some of you will be aware of, um, we were invited up by Northern Territory Corrections to come to Darwin. And while I was there, I met an amazing man. 
This man was showing all the evidence of being a sheep tuned in to the shepherd's voice. Simon was the chaplain at Darwin Correctional Centre. Simon was the only chaplain at Darwin Correctional Centre for a thousand inmates. It's one of Australia's biggest prisons. You walk in the front door, there's a wall that's one kilometre that way and another wall that's a kilometre that way. The prison is two kilometres wide. As I said, it houses over a thousand inmates, men, women, maximum security, medium security, minimum security. 86% Indigenous inmates in that prison. So Simon took me on a tour. Tour took three hours in the Darwin sun. I did not wear the right footwear that day. There were plenty of blisters. Part of the reason it took three hours is because every third inmate we walked past, Simon stopped and talked to. And then as we'd leave that conversation, he'd say, oh yeah, he's in one of my Bible studies. And after we got to 30 inmates or so, I said to Simon, how many Bible studies do you run? He said, oh, eight every week. Eight Bible studies every week as the only chaplain. He had such a passion for the people behind those walls and so tuned in to uh, the shepherd's voice. We should definitely be praying for Simon because he is doing it tough. He's doing it really tough. I left him. We have a, we have a wonderful relationship with the Bible League in Australia and they have uh, developed, uh, put together a, a prisoner's Bible um, specifically uh, for inmates. And I left him with one of those Bibles um, when I got back to Melbourne, there was an email waiting for me. Simon said, I love this Bible. Can I have a hundred, please? And so I sent him a hundred Bibles. Um, two weeks after that, I got another email from Simon saying, they're all gone. Um, can I have 500 more, please? And so we were able to work with the Bible League to give him 500 Bibles, which was just amazing. A sheep being obedient to the shepherd's voice, doing amazing work in that place. And then while I was there, I was able to, as I said, meet with the Correctional Service of Northern Territory, open a door for us to stand alongside Simon. And so we were able to train a team of people and now we have volunteers going in, um, sharing chapel services, uh, engaging with the inmates there, talking about a God who loves them, uh, which is just so exciting. And that team will continue to grow as we offer more and more uh, programs and things in that prison. The good news for you at Bayside is that you don't have to go to Darwin to be part of this ministry. Uh, we have amazing opportunities that exist here in Victoria. Um, we have, as I've talked about, a sports ministry. We have some structured programs. We have the opportunity to go in and volunteer, uh, to walk the prison yards and, and engage with inmates um, and just uh, listen to their stories and, and uh, build relationship with them. We have an amazing ministry uh, helping people coming out of prison as well. Um, it's a, such a critical time, as I talked about the reoffending rate. It's such a critical time for people, that first 24 hours even, um, picking them up at the gate, taking them out for lunch, ensuring they get to their accommodation that night, um, just ensuring that that uh, first 24 hours is such a positive experience. We have uh, a ministry to kids and families. A child of a prisoner is six times more likely to end up in prison themselves. Uh, there is a clear generational cycle that exists. And so we run an annual camp for kids who are in this situation, who have mum and dad in prison. 
They're often the forgotten victims of crime. They're the ones who are doing it tough through no fault of their own. Uh, and so uh, we run a camp where we take them away. There's an amazing sense when they realise that all these other kids are in their situation. Um, and they all have a parent that's in the same place. And there's a burden that's lifted uh, over that week as we share with those kids. Uh, we also have a Christmas presents program for those kids. Prison Fellowship across the country delivered 7,000 gifts uh, to kids of prisoners last year. So it's a, it's a uniquely placed ministry to take the compassion and mercy of Jesus to prisoners. And we enjoy uh, quite astonishing access, really, uh, to the prison system. We have, as I said, over a 1,000 volunteers, and they're each committed to ministering to the least of these. So I'd certainly encourage you to consider, uh, is this a call that God's putting on your heart? Well, I know it's not for everyone. I know there needs to be people who are feeding the hungry and providing water to those who are thirsty and providing homes to the homeless and doing all that work. But I also know that there are people who are uniquely gifted and called by God to minister inside prisons. And as the body of Christ, uh, some of you, um, God is speaking to in that way. So we need those people. Um, We need prayer support. I'll never forget one of our SLAM sports ministry volunteers saying, I walked in to the gate of a prison once um, and as we were walking through, um, through one of the fences, I caught a glimpse of one of the inmates just looking at me. And he said his stare went straight through me and I could see something that was not of God in his eyes. We want all of our volunteers to be prayed for, especially as they walk in to those places. If you'd like to know more, if you want to have a conversation, um, there's certainly uh, an opportunity to do that. There's a table just at the back there um, where I've got some information um, and we'd be very happy to talk with you. We've also got um, these books, which I'm more than happy for you to take one. Um, It's called Why Forgive? Um, It's a powerful book that we use inside the prisons, full of short stories of people who have been wronged in their life and found the power, uh, often through God, to be able to forgive uh, those who have wronged them. So I encourage you, um, if you want to think more, uh, learn more about forgiveness, grab one of those books. I highly recommend it. Just as I close, Jesus' words that we read in Matthew 25 in one sense, could not be more serious. He's talking about a judgment day that's coming and a separation that will be final. It's a call to action to the church. It's a call to say, come and live as my sheep. Care for those who need it. Show evidence of your faith. Show evidence of, our, of your faith even with those who you struggle to love, you struggle to even like, people who are not like you. The beauty of that is that that's all God requires of us. The beauty is that God does the rest. If we live as obedient sheep, listening to the shepherd's voice, then God will do the rest. Can I encourage us all this morning to live in such a way that there is evidence of our faith. That through our actions, through our time, through our money, through our prayers, that we care for the least of these. Let me pray. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have called each of us to live as your sheep, that you are the good shepherd who loves us. Lord, we pray that uh, we would be obedient to your call on our life, that as we tune into your voice, that we would respond as obedient sheep. Lord, this morning we pray for those who are in prison. We pray for those who desperately need your touch, who need to know that there is a God who loves them, regardless of what they have done, that your love overcomes all. And so, Lord, we lift them up to you. We pray for the Prison Fellowship volunteers throughout this country who are ministering your grace and your love and your compassion and your mercy in those places. Lord, speak through them, we pray. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.